Colossians 3, starting at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, it's just an absolutely fundamental principle of the Christian life that it begins with, with, sorry, with God. It begins with God and what he does for us, what he gives us, what he does in us. It doesn't begin with our search for him, but with him speaking into our lives. That's the beginning of the Christian life, and it's the same all the way through. Now, that is why the Bible is at the heart of the Christian life, because all our doing, all our speaking, all our praying, all of that springs from him first speaking into our lives, speaking with words of real power that are used by the Holy Spirit to transform us in our hearts and lives. Um, We've come back to the little book of Colossians we were in before. Um, we're not going to look at the whole passage today, but just this one little verse uh, as we start the new year. Because the new year is a good time to think about your habits and the way you come to God. Um, you may be thinking about other resolutions as well, perhaps, or you may have given up entirely on resolutions. Not sure which is wiser. Um, but it's a good time to evaluate how you're coming to God each day. And this one little verse helps us with that. It, it talks about how letting the word of Christ live in us does flow out immediately in our speech to one another and then to God. And it reminds us that, you know, we're not trying to learn as if we were studying for an exam. We are to let the word of God, as it says, live in us, to dwell in us, to be in us constantly and deeply. And it's a very different thing even if it may involve study and reading and careful thought, it's much, it's a much deeper and more shaping thing. So this little verse, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You see, it's an encouragement to make the Bible a constant daily part of your life. And that's something that many different parts of the Bible echo. Uh, there are two things that flow from doing that. Firstly, uh, because having the word of Christ in you richly means that you then have something good and useful and worth saying to other people. Uh, teaching and admonishing and all wisdom is, is part of that. It's not the whole of that. But it's saying, as the word of Christ comes into you, your word is shaped. Your speech 
is shaped and made better, richer, you have something worth saying, worth listening to for other people. At the same time, having the word of Christ dwelling in you richly flows out in praise. Um, As you meet the goodness of God, as you're reminded of the goodness of God, of his kindness, of his grace day by day, that flows out with gratitude and joy. It leads naturally even to to singing. Um, This little verse, it is just part of uh, Paul's instructions to the whole church, teaching us how to live together in a way that is shaped by the good news of Jesus. Shaped by a God who was willing to reach down into our lives and to give his son uh, to die for us, to remake us, and in the end to remake the world to be what it ought to be. And living in light of that means making the church a beacon of life, of hope, a place of love, of welcome, of goodness. And we, we began a few weeks back when we were last looking at Colossians, thinking about the beginning of the process of becoming more like that. As you fight wrong and evil in your hearts, fight sin. That's part of turning around. Well, this is part of the next part, because you, you fight the, the bad stuff, but then you've got to replace it with something good. Be filled with love and peace instead. And this verse is part of that. What, this is how you replace the bad stuff in your life with something better. Where you replace the unhelpful thoughts with ones that are more helpful. Um, so far, we're going to look at it fairly simply. First of all, just the, the, the basic command to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then we'll, we'll see how it reshapes our speech and how it inspires our praise. So firstly, as we've said, having the word of Christ dwell in us richly, to being at home in us, in our hearts, our minds, and in our lives, that is the thing that helps us turn from and replace all the wrong things that can mark our lives together, whether in church or families, with those we work with, those we know. Um, Colossians 3.8 talked about getting rid of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language, all the things that lead to people hurting and falling out with each other, in other words. Uh, They're to be cut out of our lives. We could add a few more to that list if we wanted to really make it hit home. Gossip, for instance, uh, is something that most of us at some time um, struggle not to do. But they're to be replaced Um, Colossians 3.12, by compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all of those, we are to put on love and to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. But what will help us take that further, to have something genuinely good to offer, to have hearts overflowing with joy and praise and gratitude, that will help us speak to others about Christ, is where this verse comes in. We need the word of Christ. We need the word of Jesus in our hearts. Um, Normally the Bible is talked about in the Bible as the word of God rather than the word of Christ. It's only one other place that it's called the word of Christ. Um, Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. I think the reason it's called the word of Christ here is for a similar reason. You see how it focuses there on the message. It's, it's talking about the whole Bible. It's reminding us there is a message about Jesus at the heart of this whole story. 
This is good news. It's not just, uh, it's, not a, it's reminding us, it's not a manual of things to do first and foremost. It is good news about Jesus. And as we put that good news about Jesus at the heart of our lives, as that dwells in our hearts, as we are reminded of what he has done for us, the rest flows from that. So, how do we let it dwell in our hearts? We, we, we could very easily come to visit the Word of Christ once a week when we come to church, or, as I said, had it over for a chat occasionally. But we are to let it dwell in us richly. Now, this verse applies both to us as a community and as individuals. So when it says you, it doesn't just mean you on your own, it means both. Uh, that word should find a lasting ho- home with us. And so hopefully as a church, when we meet together, the word of Christ is at the heart of what we do. You'll notice that the pattern of this verse is actually worked out in the way we do a church service. You know, we hear the word of Christ, we are taught, and we praise. Those three things come together. But when we hear what he has done, we're moved to praise, and we teach and instruct each other in light of it. Um, But then that also works uh, in our own individual lives. I think that this phrase, dwell in you richly, is also an encouragement. Um, It's a challenge, certainly, to the oldest and wisest Christian here to think, am I really letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly? Am I going deep enough? Am I reading my Bible and, and pondering it enough? But if you're a newer Christian, um, or if you've been more challenged with Bible reading, it's, it's a challenge to you as well, but not in a depressing way. Because it doesn't say you must know the Bible to a certain level. It doesn't say, uh, wait till the end of the service and we'll give you a test, and if you get 90% or above, you're allowed. It says, let it dwell in you richly. Not, how good are you at listing the ancient kings of Israel? So the issue isn't how much you know from the past so much as are you letting God's word flow into your life and fill it and change it? That's the question. Still a challenge, but it's one that we can step up to even if we've messed up and failed or just not even thought about it for years past. And when we do, we will find it is a living, life-changing power in our lives. I mean, uh, there's so many words I could, uh, bits of the Bible I could quote here, but this is, here's one. The, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. You read this book, you will find that it is doing things deep down in you. It is showing you the, where your thoughts are right and where they are wrong. It's, you'll find that it is changing you and cutting into your heart to do some very good heart surgery. Or again, Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. If we let the word of God dwell in us, we will discover all these things are true. And then as we do, we will discover they reshape our speech. When the word of Christ dwells in us richly, we will teach and admonish each other with all wisdom. 
Now, it's very easy to teach and admonish people without any wisdom. I don't know if you've ever been annoyed in, with anyone and started admonishing them uh, out of anger, telling them off, telling them where to get off, perhaps. It's very easy to do that without wisdom, isn't it? And none of us particularly enjoy having it done to us. But having the word in our hearts may, means that we do become wise. We become, become able to advise each other, to encourage each other, to instruct each other, and when necessary, to correct each other wisely and graciously. It's like that other very famous uh, verse about the Bible also, uh, verse 316. Uh, oops. Um, to Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. It comes from him. It's useful for teaching. It's helping, for, for helping one another to see the truth. For rebuking, for showing us where we've gone wrong. For correcting, for setting us back on the right track. For training in righteousness. For the, the whole process of reforming us, reshaping our character, our personality for good. So that, in the end, the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we might be ready and able to do good. It's similar here. Now, um, as you read a verse like this, you may be feeling that you're not able to teach or admonish others. You can't even imagine knowing the Bible well enough to do that. And of course, that's actually quite a good place to start. It's a lot better than the alternative, the person who hears this and thinks, thank goodness, I've been longing to give so-and-so a piece of my mind, and now the Bible says I can. Um, if that's the spirit with which we approach it, we probably shouldn't. You know, the, the great mark of being really ready to do this kind of thing is being ready to, ex first of all, accept it. For other people to point out where we're falling short. And even then, um, I have to be careful teaching this, because there is a risk people will use it as an excuse to say hurtful or unnecessary things. So before we speak into other people's lives about anything serious, we need to examine our own hearts, don't we? We need to, before we ever confront someone about something wrong that they've done to us or anyone else, um, we need to ask ourselves, is there a hint of anger or bitterness in our own hearts? Yeah, Augustine, the great uh, Christian writer and theologian said, you know, un unless our conscience shall clearly answer before God that we're doing it from love, we shouldn't do it. Whatever you say with bitterness of spirit is the attack of one who punishes, not the love of a corrector. So, teach and admonish. It's worth stepping back a moment and thinking why the Bible tells us we need to do this. It's worth reminding ourselves that as a church we're not supposed to gossip. We're also not supposed to tell each other off or get grumpy with each other about our own standards. Maybe people do things we don't like. Maybe people do things in ways that we weren't brought up with. It wasn't our way of doing things. Well, we can't do any of that. We can't approach people. We can't um, either grumble about them to others or tell them off to, our face, to, to their faces about things that the Bible doesn't say. The Bible sets a very strong limit on what we're able to say to other people. And that's powerful and good. It stops, if we obey it, <laughs> it stops so much of the anger and, and the grump and the interpersonal issues that come up in any community. So then when we do need to challenge one another, and there are times when we do, we do it according to the Bible standards with fixed and clear guidelines of, look, this, according to this bit of the Bible, 
you're going wrong. And if you say that with love, it has to be done with great care. It has power. Of course, this is only part of the way that the Bible does change our speech. Um, it's not just teaching and admonishing, but when we soak ourselves in the Bible, when we let it dwell in our hearts, we will find that there is a new gentleness and wisdom to put to our speech. We'll find that we can encourage people more effectively. Sometimes that's a quote from Scripture, very often it's not. But our words, our thoughts are shaped by the Bible so that the encouragements and the thoughts that come to our minds are more real, more helpful than, well, the fluff that floats around in our heads most of the time. Because there's real and true comfort in the Bible. Uh, words that can strike more deeply and with more weight than anything that we can say. Then thirdly, um, when the word of Christ dwells in us richly, it inspires our praise. Our singing, and we do sing in church, don't we? We've, it's a mark of churches everywhere. Is supposed to come, at least, from gratitude. Gratitude for the kindness and the grace that he's shown us. It's supposed to come from thankfulness. And that's what this verse makes very clear. You know, sing with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When the word dwells in us richly, we are reminded day in, day out of what he's done for us. We're reminded of his love, of his self-sacrifice, of his kindness, of his patience, of his forgiveness, of his goodness. Reminded of creation itself and all the goodness in it. We're reminded of the cross and what it cost him to love us. And when we're reminded of these things day after day, we're moved to praise. Um, when we sing, we always want it to be real like that, don't we? To be with thankfulness in our hearts to God. We want to look at the words and think about them and mean them. But when we read the Bible day to day as well, the end product we want is, is not just learning, it's praising, it's thankfulness. And lots of other kinds of prayer can and do come up as we read the Bible. You know, you'll see something that will make you remember something about someone else who needs prayer, or you'll be, uh, you'll be struck by something you need to change in your own life, and you pray about that. But in the end, often the best outcome of Bible reading is simply that we end up praising God, thanking him, honoring him. It leads well, when, when the word really dwells in our heart, it does lead to joy. Now, um, just some practical thoughts on our own Bible reading as we come to a close. Um, this is a, a verse from, very famous verse from Joshua 1. Um, Joshua is taking on the leadership of the Lord's people and he's told, do not let this book of the law, and that was the whole Bible they had then, depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night. Um, God's telling him, make sure you have that constant habit of coming back to the word, day and night. Uh, it's even better than once a day, if you can manage it. Um, and there are lots of ways 
to do this. Now, as I said to the kids, I think often we find the Bible challenging and therefore often prone to read little chunks and, that, and think about them deeply and hope to get something very profound out of them. That's good. That's very good. But often, because we miss out reading the big swathes, reading it more like you would read just a novel, means we actually miss out on the big picture and, and we never quite feel familiar. We never quite feel we've got the grasp and the understanding of it. But as with that journey to school with the kids, the way to get to know it, to feel at home in the whole, is actually to read the whole. So, I don't know, it depends where you are at the, this moment in time, but consider perhaps, uh, if you're quite new to Bible reading, or if you haven't been through the whole New Testament, there's a Bible reading plan at the back, uh, five by five by five. It takes five minutes a day, they reckon, one chapter, even if you're slow, seven, ten. Um, you can read a chapter a day. You can get through the whole New Testament in that time. Five days a week, that gives you two days for catching up on the days you forgot. I'm sure I'm not the only person who occasionally forgets a day, or is busy. And five questions to help you think through what it means. Uh, if you want to go a bit further and faster, there are two separate uh, plans that take you through the whole Bible in a year. Um, one that uh, sort of mixes up uh, New and Old Testament each day, one which alter alternates them book after book. Perhaps that's too much, though, but you still want to get through the whole Bible. There's a two-year Bible reading plan, which is also excellent. All of these at the back, it's helpful to have some kind of plan because then you get through it and just read it day by day, and you'll find yourself growing in understanding very quickly. Um, perhaps that's too regimented. Or perhaps you want to go at a different speed. It's also just tick lists at the back. Every chapter in the Bible, choose how many you want to read a day. If you read two a day, you'll get through the Bible in two years. If you read four a day, you'll get through in one year with plenty to spare. But uh, before we end... I really do strongly recommend, if you have a smartphone, considering downloading an audio Bible. Most of the people in the New Testament and the Old Testament never read their Bibles for the simple reason they couldn't read. It was actually designed for listening to in the first place. And just you might find it helpful just because it's different, or you might struggle with reading, or just not like reading, or you might find it's a good way to work it into your day. There are excellent apps that are up, out there, version is one really good one, that have good, simple, clear audio Bibles, and lots of plans as well. They've got plans built in to take you through the whole Bible, or uh, through the New Testament, or lots of other little plans that will help you get to grips with the Bible, and often provide help along the way. But now, let's uh, come to a close. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. De Dear Father, we do pray that over the coming year you would help us to let that word dwell in us richly. Because you work by your word, Father. This isn't just another duty for us to do, but an opportunity to receive from you every single day. To receive your help and strength and grace. And to be reshaped so that our speech and our praise are made deeper and more real and more good. So please help us, Father, in discipline, in understanding, to press forward and to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.